0: Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 23rd by Pastor Randy, titled, Submission and Defiance. All right, so a couple weeks ago, the mayor gave a mandate that our meetings be limited to 15 people. And since that time, Christians' reactions have been all over the place. And today, what I want to do is address that from Scripture. And I'll talk a little bit about the stupidity and sanity of of such a thing like that, too. Anyway, I'm sure by the end of the day, I will have offended everybody. And I tried to look at us go, no, what's the problem? How come this isn't more clear? How come that there's such an issue? And then I, then I had to think back to my time in seminary. And while I was in seminary, I worked for a glass business. For the last couple of years, I, I owned my own glass business. And during the springtime, we were out in Fort Worth, hailstorms would come through. Now, when you're in the glass business and there's a hailstorm, storm, you have more business and you have time. And so, for that week after these hailstorms would come through, I wouldn't go to class. I would just work. Because I could make about $5,000 a week just working all the time, putting in glass. And back then, that was a lot of money. But that also paid for my tax bill because when you're working for yourself, you got to pay a lot more in taxes. And so, I paid for my tax bill and gave me a, lot, a little bit of extra money left over to. to catch up on bills and things like that. And, and so that had to be the time. When I'm out putting in glass that week and not going to class, that it had to be time where they talked about how to do church during a pandemic. That had to be it. The, the needless to say, this is new to all of us. Uh, so we're all kind of in the same boat that way. And so when this first came out, I did what pastors should do. Whenever what's happening in culture intersects with something that Scripture talks about, we need to talk about that. And so for the first month uh, of March, whenever we had to, to, to quarantine and all that, we talked about the foundation of our faith, how do Christians face difficult times and things like that. But now with this new mandate that's come out, We've had even more reactions that are even more different and all over the place. And it's my job. It's really not just my job. It's my calling. And it's probably just not my job, my calling. It's my privilege and my delight to be able to give you scriptures as directed by the Holy Spirit about how, what should we do. In fact, scripture says in Hebrews 13, I'm going to be held accountable for that. So I need to do that and I need to do that well. Here's what we read in In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For our exhortation did not come from error or impurity or intent to deceive. And what Paul is saying is that we gave you a clear declaration of the word of God. So there was no error there. There was no impurity. That that word impurity has a sexual connotation to it. And then he says there was no intent to deceive. We didn't give you something and, and, and sort of pull that back and really give you something else. Then he says this. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. And there you have it right there, who examines our hearts. Because I have a degree from LSU-S. I have a degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I could go totally dumb tomorrow. They're not going to come and take those degrees away. But if I'm not faithful in giving you the word of God, God will take me out. Sooner or later, he will take me out. So, the thing to understand about this is that you have any profession around us today And and you can do that profession. It doesn't matter what's going on in your heart. It doesn't matter how much integrity you have. A a doctor can operate. A lawyer can plead his case. A mechanic can fix anything. And it doesn't matter where they're at spiritually. It doesn't matter the integrity of your heart. But you let somebody like me stand up and do what I do. And my heart's not right. What he's saying here in that verse is that God will deal with it. God will sooner or later take me out. So understand this. If, as your pastor, I don't stand up here and give you the Word of God as directed by the Holy Spirit, we have a bigger problem than a pandemic on our hands. But, but, understand this. God expects the same thing of you. He expects you to use your gift as guided by the Holy Spirit, too. So in one sense, we're all in the same boat together. So, all that to say this. When I finish here today, If you think you're totally right and I'm totally wrong, understand this. I will still love you anyway. I will still give you salmon out of my freezer. It may be last year's salmon, but I will still give you salmon out of my freezer. So here's the question. How do we live in a culture that doesn't hold our values, that doesn't hold our convictions? And we're going to look at the book of Daniel to to kind of see how we do that. Just as our example this morning, just to kind of get us going, because there's three things that's happening in our society right now. Number one, the way that Christians react, some of them is to pull back from society, to say, "I'm just going to live my Christian bubble. I'm going to just put the walls up, keep all society out, and, and just have my own Christian little club going on." Some people push back against society. They declare a cultural war. They gripe, they whine, they complain, they rant, they picket. They said, we're going to take this country back from God. So some people push back. Some pull back, some push back, and some just get tired of swimming upstream and downstream world. They just go along with the flow. So here's the question. Is there a better way to do it? Can we be a blessing to our society without buying into everything that our culture is selling? And without becoming obnoxious jerks? And the answer is yes. Daniel shows us how that's done. And, and so that's what we're, we're going to look at today. Because what we find out in Daniel is he served God for Babylon, but he also served Babylon for God. He became a valuable member in society that didn't hold to his values. He's a person that was a blessing to his culture, and he's still living inside a culture that didn't hold his convictions or his values. So let's read. Daniel 1. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. So here's our question. How do you survive in Babylon? This is is how we're going to see Daniel, the, the example from the story of Daniel. How do you survive in Babylon? How do you live as a Christian in today's culture? Number one, choose the battles that really matter. Choose the battles that really matter. There are times throughout the book of Daniel where they put their lives on the line for their convictions They're willing to stand up and die for their convictions, for their values, what they hold dear. But there's other times they just let things go. They didn't protest the name changes that the Babylonians gave them. They didn't protest the Babylonian education or reading their literature or learning their language. They didn't skip school the day they talked about how to use the stars in the occult to interpret dreams. They didn't see the Babylonians as their enemies. They weren't shocked that Babylonians lived like Babylonians. But where they draw the line at, we just read it, they drew the line where it came to eating these certain foods. Why? Number one, some of these foods just went directly against their dietary standards that God laid out in Scripture. Number two, some of them were offered up to their idols. And so to eat this food would have been a way of expressing their loyalty to God. So what Daniel says is, look, you can name me after your gods. You can teach me about your gods. I'll even watch you worship your gods, but you're not going to watch me worship any other god but Yahweh. When you live in Babylon, don't let Babylon keep you from holding to your convictions. But... You need to know what convictions you need to stand on and what convictions you just need to let go. For example, in our culture today, I think our culture would pay a lot more attention to the convictions we have that really matter if we would make a big deal about things that really don't matter. Does it really matter whether the greeter at Walmart says Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas Does it really matter if Starbucks doesn't celebrate Christmas? I got a better question. Why are you spending $7 on a cup of coffee anyway? Maybe the better question. The job of the school is not to tell your kid when and how to pray. That's your job as a parent. See, there are some things that really matter, and there's things that probably don't matter as much. And if you don't like that list, you can send your comments to jwilson61 at gci.net. Okay? All right. Okay. Getting close. So number one, how do you live in Babylon? You ask God for the wisdom to hold the things that really matter and to discern between what really matters and what really don't. Second, live out your convictions graciously. Hold them graciously. Daniel and his three friends take stands they are willing to die over, but they do that without ever being rude or disrespectful. They never gripe or whine or complain. They don't hold in contempt the people who are trying to push their values upon them. They even go to this, this chief in charge of them, and they, they try to figure out a way that they won't embarrass him. There is no spiritual gift for being rude and disrespectful. Okay. So they hold their convictions, but they do so graciously. And then the next thing, verse 13. Then Daniel says, Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your service based on what you see. So Daniel is saying, Let me live by my convictions and let's see if it produces a life that's a blessing to you. So Daniel's not ranting and raving about all their unrighteousness. He's saying, let me live a righteous life and see if you can see the difference when I live a righteous life. What Daniel is doing, he's navigating through and finding a way to glorify God and yet honor the king. Okay, that's our example that we're going by today. Just look at that Old Testament picture of Daniel. That's our example. So now, here comes the question. Here it is. Do you believe we should obey civil authority? It's easy. Yes, of course. Just in case you're wondering, here's a couple of scriptures. Submit to every human authority because the Lord, whether to the emperor as to the supreme authority... Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. So the first is in 1 Peter. This is Titus. And now Romans 13. Let everyone submit to the governing authority, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring God's justice on themselves. So here's another question for you. Do you believe that when you oppose, Uh, You push back. You refuse to obey the civil authority that you're going against what God's plan is for our world. Because he set it up that way. He wants us to run that way. what We just read in Romans 13. In all three of those verses that are read out of 1 Peter, uh, Titus, and and here in Romans, there's one common word. That common word is submit. It's a command in all those two. But what if, what if your rulers, what if your authorities, what, what if they're evil and cruel? What if they're just plain clueless even? What then? Peter, that we just read, told us to submit to our authorities, he's writing in time when Nero is, is head of everything. When he's the emperor, Nero was especially wicked and cruel to Christians. He doesn't say... Gather your swords up. Let's go and and take over. No, he says, submit. Why? Because we weren't put here to overthrow earthly kingdoms. We were put here to establish the kingdom of God. But look at our rules today. Look how messed up they are. Look how out of whack, how immoral our, our authorities and rules are today. Look how clueless they are. Listen, the government will always, always, always allow things we as Christians think are wrong. Always. Right now, abortion, pornography. Back in Peter's day, killing infants because they'd have a baby and say, oh, that's not the baby I want. They just set it out to die. Abuse of women. Governments will always allow things that we think are wrong. Even though they do, that doesn't mean that we take Submission to government lightly. God takes it seriously, not lightly. So, over here, we're going to write this down. One of the Romans 13. It's what we read. But there's an exception to this, there's an exception. When they call us to do something that God command, calls us to do, to go against something that God commands us to do. That's the exception to submitting to authority. When our government calls us to do something uh, or to go against something that God commands us to do. Here's the example. Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in his name? Look. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, "We must obey God rather than men." Ooh. All right. Now we have it. The showdown is here. Everybody who says we should be wide open in the meeting no matter what the government says, this is their verse. And there's plenty of examples of it. We, there's three of them in Daniel where they said, we just can't go against what God is commanding us. Plenty of examples of this. Okay. Not only that, th- this, is, this is a, a, a principle that, that, I guess I, I call it a principle. It's just something we see come up over and over again that we need to know how to deal with in life. When you come up with two things that are very important, how do you know to choose the right one? Because you have to make a choice. And you better choose the right one. What am I going to do? Am I going to submit to the government or am I going to take a stand and say, they can't tell me as a Christian that I can't meet? What am I going to do? Saul had that same problem. King Saul did. Samuel had to set him straight. To obey is better than sacrifice. Two important things. Which do you do? Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he gave him this option. He said, you have a choice. Do you go to the temple and worship or do you reconcile with your brother? Jesus says, you better go reconcile to your brother first because that's the more important. So we come across things like this a whole lot in Scripture. In fact, I would argue the point that you come across this almost every day in your life where you're looking at two things, and you've to decide which is more important. Okay. What am I going to do here? So here in our culture... One says, submit to the government. If they do it, you submit. I mean, you don't take that lightly. God's, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, how God's very seriously about that. But the other side says, no, they're commanding us to go against something. They're telling us to go against something God has commanded, that, that we shouldn't forsake our assembling together. So here's where we go from here. What I am going to. tell you after the next couple of moments before we look at something much more serious than this because this is, this is not the real issue okay this is not the real issue the things that's going on and we're going to look at those things in just a minute but but because of what we're facing today we need to go through this what I'm going to do for the next couple of moments before we get to the real issues is I'm going to tell you that the why the pandemic that we're going through right now why the COVID-19 all the mess we're going through now, that it, is not this doesn't fall under this Okay, so that's what we're going to do. So Acts 5 right here is based on a conviction that shouldn't be violated. This is my point number one. I've got four things to tell you about this. This is number one. Acts 5 is based on a conviction that you have that should not be violated. God says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We shouldn't violate this. This Acts 5 is based on something, is based on a conviction. This stance that you're taking against the government is based on a conviction that you say, I can't do that no matter what. Daniel would say, I'm not going to eat those foods or defile myself, my body with with doing that. I don't care if it's in Babylon. I don't care if it's in Egypt. I don't care if it's back home. I'm just not going to do it, period. Peter's day, he'd say, we're going to share the gospel. I don't care, uh, you know, if, if I'm in Rome or if I'm in Europe or wherever I'm at, if I'm with the... Uh, up north with the Gauls or whatever. Maybe we're going to do that regardless. So this right here is based on a conviction that, that that you do regardless. And I'm saying that what we're going through right now does not fall under here. Why? Because nobody was saying this back in March. Nobody was saying back in March that, oh, we got to meet anyway. Nobody was saying that. And people say, but the stats, we know more than we know. It doesn't matter. If it's a conviction you should hold Regards, it should be a conviction you hold regardless. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if, if it's one of those things where we're going to meet together. Then do it. Don't let anything stop you from doing it. That's what this is based on. is a, is a conviction like that. Second of all, the second reason why COVID-19, what we're dealing with is, is not doing this, is because of this. The Mary isn't singling out churches. What he's saying about that limited to 15, that's for churches, that's for, that's for bars, restaurants, theaters, you know, you name it. it it's, it's for all that. And he isn't saying we can't come and pray. He isn't saying we can't come and sing. He isn't saying that that we can't go out and evangelize. He isn't saying that that we can do this. He says you can do all those things, just do it in a smaller group. And it's temporary. It's temporary. Back in World War II, on the West Coast, they had blackouts. We're in the cities. They'd turn off all their lights because they were afraid Japanese bombers might come, and they didn't want them to see where their cities were at. Churches didn't go, no, 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 no. We're supposed to meet. We're going to meet anyway. We don't care what's going on. We're going to meet anyway. They didn't say that. Because they understood it was for the common good at the moment. Was, and nobody said, well, we haven't seen any Japanese bombers, so we shouldn't do that yet. When church is saying, well, you know, when we see Japanese bombers, then we'll think about it. Until we see Japanese bombers, we're going to meet. No, they just understood. The government passed down lights out. They were lights out. Third. Be consistent. (laughs) Be consistent. Think about this with me for a minute, okay? If you believe that God has given us a command that we shouldn't forsake assembling ourselves together, and you believe it falls under this Acts 5 illustration, then be consistent. Don't tell me that you're holding that we should meet together and then go hunting next weekend or fishing. Don't don't tell me I didn't get up and come to church this morning because I didn't feel well. No, no, no. It's a conviction. You need to be there. I don't care how you feel. Be consistent with it. If it's that important that you're not going to give up no matter what the government says, then just be consistent with it. Don't let other people get off with it either. Tell them, look, we need to be there. We need to be at church on Sunday. I guarantee you that the disciples, when it came to proclaiming the gospel, when they're talking about this right here, they didn't put up with somebody and says, well, I can't do that because my body doesn't, have, doesn't handle flogging too well, so I just better not preach the gospel anymore. No, they say, we don't care. Preach the gospel. It's worth it. This is a conviction that, that you, don't, you don't undermine no matter what. And the fourth reason, probably the most important reason, is don't violate the supreme command. Because there is one command that stands on top of all other. One command that everything else is underneath because it's so big, it's so huge, it encompasses the whole Old Testament, it encompasses God and His purpose and everything else, and that command is to love God and love others. And in order to do this right now, and to say, we're going to meet, we don't care, we're going to meet, it violates that command to love other people. You're saying, I don't care if other people get sick. I don't care if it spreads around. See, I don't want to have somebody be able to come up to me and say, Pastor, we found this out because they do the contact tracing and all that stuff. We found out that that there's a person in your congregation that had COVID and they spread it to this person over here. And as a result, now my mother's dead. I don't want that to happen. See, the people who think we should be wide open because of this right here, I believe they really don't have a friend or or a family member who has gotten very ill or or died from COVID yet. The the people who say we should be wide open, I don't think they see a threat. They, They believe that COVID is not really a threat at all. It's no threat to us. Not really. Let me tell you about my friend Brian. I was outside a week and a half ago. Just in my garage, putting stuff away and all that, and he comes. He comes just driving up. I didn't know he was coming. He just drove up, and so we chatted for a minute. Because Brian got COVID back on April 17th. He spent two days in the hospital. He spent 42 days quarantined in his bedroom. And so now it's been over four months since he had COVID April 17th. He's got heart issues. Doctors think they'll heal up in time, but he has heart issues. He has lung issues. Doctors think they may never heal up. And I just found out a couple of days ago, the friend was telling me that there's a lady in the hospital here who had COVID. She got lung issues from it. She's eventually going to die from that, just from lung issues. They know it's just going to happen. Third of all, he's got... Uh, uh, kidney, and pancreas issues. Doctors think that'll heal too eventually. But what he has is questionable. He's got brain fog. That's a nice way of saying other issues that's going on, I guess. Uh, He told me he was in a meeting uh, two weeks ago with his board of directors. He couldn't remember anybody's name in the room. He went to the doctor one day. He couldn't remember why he was there. Last Sunday, a week ago from today, Alice Banks' brother died. Now, he had other issues. But COVID was a major factor. He was dealing with those other issues till he got COVID. And he passed away a week ago. Now, hear this. Please hear this. And I know there's going to be some argument on the percentage I'm going to give you. Only about 1.7% of the people who get COVID experience those things I just talked about. And I know that's going to change. It may be 1.4 one time or or 0.9 one time or whatever. But only about 1.7% of the people who get COVID have serious issues or die from it. 1.7%. We are a congregation of about 120 people. 1.7 would be two people. Wish two people are you okay with getting those things and possibly passing away or having difficulties with COVID for the rest of their lives? Uh, Because I know people, I know people who know people who died from it, and I know people who have serious issues from it. So in, in order to do this, you have to say, you know, even if one person in our congregation gets it, I really don't care. No. We love people. That's our supreme command is that is that we we love people. All right. Now let's get to the real issue. You can disagree with me about that and that's fine. That's okay. But let's get to the real issue here. Let me name some things that that should that, you, that you should not disagree about What we want to do is, I want to go over four areas where we are failing miserably at. Where we are failing miserably at in this. Okay? Number one, just understand, regardless of where you're at, understand that submission is a spiritual strength. I'm so glad that, that God submitted to Jesus. So this right here, you should hold this dear. This, this command that we have to submit because God lays it out in the government, lays it out in church, and he lays it out in home. And when you're sitting around doing a Bible study, it's on Ephesians 5, and you get to the point where it says, why submit to your husbands? And the woman stands up and says, I'm not submitting to any man. I've been in that Bible study before. That's the woman that's going to have trouble. Trouble in her home and trouble in relationship with God. Or... You let something go on with the government or issues going on, and and the guy stands up, bows his back, says, I'm not submitting that. That's his first thing. I'm not going to do that. The first thing in his mind is is rebellion against that. That's a guy who doesn't understand God's purpose for the world is accomplished through submission. That's a guy who's going to have trouble not only with with his, his spiritual relationship with God, he's going to have trouble with maturity his whole life. Because you show me a person who's too important to submit and I'll show you a person who's too immature to have authority. Okay? God loves this. God loves when we submit. That's how he's, he's built our world. My favorite story of this is Elijah and Ahab. They're on top of Mount Carmel. You know the story. It's a showdown between... Between Elijah and, and the prophets of Baal and Ahab and all that. And so at the end of all this, Ahab hadn't had a good day. His prophets had been slain. He had seen the fire of God fall. He had been humiliated. On top of that, he's got to go home and tell Jezebel. This is not a good day for Ahab. So at the end of all, he gets in his chariot. And he's going from from Mount Carmel down to Jezreel, down to his palace. And as he's heading that way, in his chariot, pulled by these horses, who should start coming around the corner and start running in front of him but Elijah? What's this guy going to do next? For the next 18 miles, he runs in front of this chariot, pulled by horses. Because in that day, And still today in the Middle East, to go before a ruler, a king, or somebody in authority is a way to submit yourself to him and to humble yourself before them. So Elijah didn't go, aha, got you, Ahab. No, he wanted the world to know that the acts that were just performed were not the acts of Elijah, but the acts of God. He was submitting himself to Ahab in the midst of all that. First of all, then, I urge that all petitions. Oh, excuse me. The word all is not in that part. That petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. That's the the all I meant to emphasize. It's right there. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in the godliness of dignity. That we pray for our leaders. That's a far different cry. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's part of our evangelism strategy, right? But today, what do we have? We have people, instead of praying for the leaders, they just stand around and make critical comments of them. That's not being submissive. What was the first words out of Daniel's mouth when he got out of the lion's den? What were they? Oh, king, live forever. We are failing miserably at this, being submissive in our culture. We don't see it practiced in homes. We don't see it practiced in in relationship to, to our leaders. We don't see it practiced in church. We fail miserably at this. The second thing that we are failing miserably on is what Scripture tells us to do when you have a pandemic. Here it is right here. Focus on the real issue. Because Scripture tells us, what do you do when you have a pandemic? Here it is: If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their, wicked, from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So, what do you do when a pandemic comes? You repent. You go, God, what's going on in my life that I need to to, to deal with? And I promise you, right now, we have a culture of Christians in our churches that's got full of sin in their lives. But what do we do? Oh, let's look, let's talk about what's going on out there. Let's complain. Let's put all energy in what's going on out there rather than stop and take a look. Oh, God, what's going on inside of me? And if you're a person, if you're one of those that would rather throw stones out there at, at, at the Republicans, Democrats, politician leaders, and what's just going on in the world, rather than, rather than take care of what's going on inside your heart, Jesus has a word for you. And you won't like it. And it's the word what? Hypocrite. Hypocrite, yes. Hypocrite. Thank you, Al. Hypocrite. We are failing terribly at saying, at people just to stop. If I could just get people just to stop and say, okay, all the energy and thoughts you're giving about that, would you please just look inside your own life and deal with the sin that's there? And until you get rid of that, until you deal with that and you get your life straight, you have no right to be here at all. None at all until you get your life straight with God. Because that's what God says. Whenever difficulty comes, you need to repent. You need to get your life straight. We're failing miserably at that. The third thing that we're failing miserably at that is unity. Oh, because see, if you're irritated at me right now, pay attention to this one. Pastors were surveyed and asked, What's the most difficult thing you're facing during this crisis? You know what they said? Disunity in our churches. Because they said, In our churches right now, we have people who are all over the place. There are some who who are scared to death of COVID, and some who think it's all just a scam. And my answer is, So what? We've always had different opinions in churches. It's always been that way. Jesus knew it before he went to the cross. This is his prayer. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. He knew there was going to be problems. Let me give you my opinion now. I've been just, just giving you scripture. Okay? Let me give you my opinion. I think a lot of the cause of disunity, the cause of problems, is social media. Social media was built to us as something that's going to bring us together. We'll just love each other. No, social media stokes anger like nothing else. Social media is not biased left or right. Social media is biased down. To where it's going to get people to to get in arguments and to to say hurtful comments to one another. Probably more relationships have been destroyed over social media in our day than anything else. Romans 14. Let me paraphrase that for you. Okay? Romans 14. There are people in your church that wear masks. And we're about split right now of those who are in here. And there are people in your church that do not wear a mask. Whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, don't condemn and complain and criticize the person who doesn't or does. Don't do that. Right now, we have an incredible opportunity Incredible opportunity to show the world how we can disagree politically, how we can disagree about masks or whatever else and still love each other unconditionally. But we're failing at that. We're failing miserably at that. Yeah, I I know that there's people... In this church, that don't agree with me, some of the things I've already said. I know that. I love them. I think they still love me. And that's good. But that's not happening on a large scale in our churches. So there's a lot of little bit of stuff going on. A little bit of nye, 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 nye. most of us over social media, I think. I'm not on social media, but that's just occasionally I hear a thing or two. Here's what we read in Scripture. Here's what Scripture says about that. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, but not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. Say so you're still just a bunch of baby Christians. Because you're still worldly. For since there's envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? When you get the, nye, 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 you know, they need just to grow up. They're baby Christians. Okay, so four things we we're failing miserably at. Number one is submission. You know, just, you can just block all the COVID, this is just in general, in our culture, through submission. We're failing at at realizing that that whenever we have something like this come, we need, and I've been talking about this for years, the reason our culture is dark and the reason our culture is is decaying is because we're not being the salt and the light. It's our fault as Christians. We need to be looking inside ourselves. We just read where he says, when a pandemic comes, look inside yourself. We're not doing that. We're throwing stones rather than trying to fix what's going on inside of us. And third, unity. And number four, where we're failing miserably at is just taking advantage of the opportunities that come in the midst of a time like this. What's the opportunity that's come for us in a time like this? The opportunity that's come for us is to learn how to do small groups better than we've ever done it before, to learn how to be a church who understands that you do a lot more learning, you do a lot more encouraging, loving each other when you meet in circles rather than meeting in rows. That you have to be connected to other people. Now, as much as I love having guys in here and having guys tuning in to hear me preach and all that, there's a lot more that happens in in circles than it does in rows as far as your spiritual growth is concerned. This is needed, okay? This part should be there. But we need to do small groups better. And Christina is helping facilitate that and getting these, these uh, groups of people to meet together, watch the sermon together, and discussion questions afterwards. And we're, we're going after this. Uh, John Jamar is going to start uh, helping us facilitate small groups here. He's gonna, he, that's one of his specialties is what he does. And so he's going to come in and he's got some more time on his hands because of the virus. So, so he's going to come in and, and start investing in us doing small groups. So we're getting there, but I'm just saying, in general, this is the place where we fell miserable at. Now, I've done my part in giving you Scripture. Can I give you my opinion? Okay, just opinion. Forget about Scripture. Forget about pastor for a moment. It's just Randy giving his opinion. This is stupidity. There's no reason why we can't meet as a church like we were doing a month ago. There are people who stay away because they have issues, and they should. There's no reason we have the room, we have facilities to be able to meet in small groups and stay spread out in congregation like we were doing a month ago. It's stupidity that we can't do that. It's also stupidity why you can't turn left on green at the corner of Lake Otis and Debar. It's also stupidity why in our cities that or in our schools in our cities, that a 14-year-old girl has to have her parents' permission to take a Tylenol but doesn't have to have parents' permission to have an abortion. That's just stupidity. Okay? Now, listen, I think the reaction of a lot of our culture against this is stupid because nobody knows what to do. And that's just the point. Nobody knows. They're trying their best, but nobody really knows. And so we get a lot of things that are just sort of stupid. Okay? All right, I'm done sharing my opinion. Well, let me give you one more opinion. (laughs) And this is, again, just my opinion. But I believe with all my heart that there's going to come a day while I'm still around, while I still may even be preaching here or something, there's going to come a day when this has to be abided by. When our culture is going to say to speak against homosexuality is hate speech or try to force us to, to accommodate homosexuals in our, in our teaching or, or in, in our church or something like that, when that day comes, we better do this. We better draw a line. And listen, that line needs to be drawn not when, okay, we have this out here, the assembly's approve it. Now maybe the mayor, will, we'll just wait as a church till the mayor decides what he's going to do. Or to the governor, he may, he may veto this or something like that. No, you draw the line when it comes out and you stay on that line regardless. Okay? There will come a day when more of this is going to happen. And we have to be willing at that point to say this is a conviction that we have and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the conditions are surrounding it, it doesn't matter what it is. We're not going to, as Daniel would say, bow down and worship that idol, that we're not going to eat that food or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter, period. We're just not going to do it. That's what this is about. And that day will come. But if we don't get this right and we don't get 2 Chronicles 7.14 right, guess what? We won't be prepared to do this. We won't be ready to do this when the time comes. That would be terrible. So we need to get ourselves right with what's going on right now so that we'll be ready when this day comes. Okay, so what do we do? We submit. We repent, we be unified, we start doing small groups better, we we get in a small group, and we hold our convictions, but we hold them graciously. Not just graciously to the people out there, but graciously to one another. And we remember, we have an opportunity to show the world how we can disagree and still love each other unconditionally. Let's not fail at that. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.